It's Wednesday, February 24th, 2021. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, the Eagles have traded Carson Wentz and begun the rebuild purge. The Flyers are caught in a COVID crunch. The Sixers are in a battle with Brooklyn for the top spot in the East. And Phillies baseball is back, as always. Plenty to talk about in Philly sports. Yeah, Bill, you know, we're going to be talking about that Wentz trade, I have a feeling, for probably months, right up until September when the new season starts. It's February, I know, but I'm starting to get excited about the Phillies. Spring training is here. They're going to start playing games this weekend. A needed win for the Sixers last night. The Flyers are back in action tonight. And but we're going to hit all of that and more. But I know it's this kind of a tough situation for you right now. You're still pretty upset about Kim and Kanye heading for divorce. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I saw something that you, you mentioned something about some award show coming this weekend. Who knows what that even is? Oh, we'll get to that later. Trust me, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got plenty to discuss tonight uh, with our guests from the Museum of Sports Show, Doug Chamel and the Inquire.com's Bob Brookover will be here again as well. So let's get rolling. Let's welcome our first time guest. Shy Mel, Shy Mel, get her. Shy Mel, that's why I was asking if I had that right. <laughs> Shy Mel, my bad. To Philly Press Box Radio, Doug, welcome, my friend. I apologize. Oh, well, you know, good seeing you guys. Thanks for having me uh, on tonight. I love the open of the show. I got goosebumps and. Uh, but that last name has been mangled beyond recognition, <laughs> believe me, decades in advance of tonight. And my my grandmother uh, swears the story was true. She came over from Scotland and uh, was working and was uh, shopping in a little uh, market in um, Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, you know, decades ago. And uh, the woman behind the, she go up to the cash register, oh, Mrs. Mrs. Schimmel, you know, so good to see you, Mrs. Schimmel. So, and every time, and and people would say, Helen, why don't you correct her and tell her it's Shimel? It's a long eye. Oh, you know, she's been calling me Mrs. Schimmel for years. Well, she got a box of new checks and she thought, you know what, instead of S-H-I-M-E-L-L, I'm going to do S-H-Y. M-E-L-L. No one will screw it up from the point. So she swears it's a true story. She goes in, writes the check, hands it to the girl at the cashier, and she looks at it and she goes, oh, Mrs. Shimel, are you any relation to the Mrs. Schimmel that comes in here? <laughs> I'm like, ah, God. Grandma, come on, you're writing your own material. But wonder, wonderful to be on with you guys. Thanks, thanks for having me. Like I said, I got uh, chills watching that open. Uh, I went to the parade uh, as a spectator, and first uh, first Super Bowl parade for a team that I uh, gave a crap about, and uh, I will never forget it. It was just un unbelievable. And now that whole era, dead and gone. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about that. Well, Doug, most Philly area folks, of course, remember you from your two decades as a serious news reporter on NBC10. But you're also a big sports guy as well. You grew up in Connecticut. You went to the University of South Carolina. You worked in TV in Kansas Bangkok. City and Oklahoma City before arriving in Philly. So I got to ask, what are your rooting interests? You know, it's so funny. Uh, the first few markets out of school, you know, ABC and Corpus Christi, uh, CBS and Austin, uh, it was all about UT or um, 
uh, Texas Tech or the Aggies, uh, or you know, it was it, it was and, and a little bit of Cowboys and almost no Oilers. Um, it was all very college centric. Going to college in South Carolina, they could care less about the Falcons. It was all Gamecocks, uh, Tigers, uh, Tar Heels, um, and uh, it was. And then Oklahoma City, uh, they other than OU and O State, uh, they could care less about pros. Got to Kansas City. Uh, for the 93 and 94 season, I'm doing quick turn investigative stuff there. And lo and behold, Esso gets traded from the uh, 49ers to the Chiefs for two seasons. Joe Montana. Yeah. And you're thinking, oh, this is going to be this is going to be sad. This is going to be really awful to watch. And uh, lo and behold, he takes them to the AFC championship, uh, of course, against Buffalo at Buffalo after four, a four foot blizzard. It was uh, Jim Kelly's, it would, would be Jim Kelly's fourth and final Super Bowl. And uh, went up there 10, 10 days of doing stories with some of the, the, the old uh, you know, players from the last time they had been in the AFC Championship, which was mid-60s against the, the Bills when uh, Jack Kemp was the QB and Len, for the Bills and Len Dawson was the QB for uh, the, uh, the Chiefs. But just a lot of fun getting a sort of no-Joe from you know, a reporter's standpoint. Um, came here and of course, uh, I don't know if you, you probably can't see it back there, but, uh, I have my, uh, my Minnesota Vikings helmet. I've been a long suffering Viking. Here, here it is. It's an actual authentic Riddell helmet from my playing days there. No, that's not true. <laughs> bought it, bought it online. But, uh, I, I had been a Vikings fan since I was a kid. I, we growing up in Connecticut. I, my dad and I were Fran Tarkenton fans when he was with the giants. If you remember, he was, he was the original expansion quarterback for the Vikings in the early 60s. He got traded from the Vikings to the Giants. Uh, that was uh, several seasons that amounted to absolutely nothing. And when he was traded back to the Vikings, because they Joe Cap had just lost a Super Bowl to the Chiefs in 1970. And they had everything. They had offense, defense. They had running backs. They had an offensive line. They had no quarterback. So targeted goes back to the Vikings. And uh, my dad and I discussed it and we said, well, let's just make the jump. And he goes, you know, the Giants aren't going to amount to anything for another 15 years. Well, that would have put it about the mid 80s, which he was right on. So it's been four more, three more Super Bowl appearances, three more Super Bowl losses. Uh, a lot of, uh, you know, missed it by that much. The 15 and one Randall season, if you remember that one with Randy Moss. Yep. But got got here to Philly. And, you know, when I was you know, in Kansas City, I'd root for the Chiefs. I'd root for the Vikings, as long as they didn't play each other. In Philly, I root for the Eagles. I root for the Vikings, as long as they don't play each other. And of course, it all came to a head in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, and the rest, as we know, is uh, is, is history. <laughs> all um, right, and it's just been an absolute nightmare. But my son, who he is a, a an avowed Vikings fan, and he does not understand how I can divide my loyalty. He just thinks that's the the, the height of hypocrisy. And I'm like, no, it happens. A lot of people do it. I'm not the only one. So, so Doug, now that you're you're been in Philly a long time, do you follow? Are you a fan of all the Philly teams except the yeah. Eagles when they're playing the Vikings? You 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 all in Philly? Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And um, you know, I got to cover the uh, NBA Finals, the whole uh, AI run up. That was a lot of fun. Uh, unfortunately, ended in in grave grave disappointment. Got to cover the uh, Phillies uh, Super Bowl parade in 08. Uh, that was a blast. My daughter was trying to get in from Narberth on the train. And I told that we were right on the uh, west side of the um, 
west side of city hall uh, where market comes in and she the, the train wouldn't let him off any closer than like i don't know where they were like you know upper 20s and i said get off and start running you'll get ahead of the parade i'll tell the cops to let you cross you can come up on a riser and watch them when it when it comes around the corner and they got there by the skin of their teeth because I, I could see them coming through the crowd and then one of the cops on the other end he, he's waving to me he's going this them and i'm like yeah 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 and so they come across the street up on the riser <laughs> and my daughter still tells that story and that's one of those indelible indelible things um and then uh, flyers you know it's just been kind of you know it's it, it kind of i don't want to say lackluster just in in the 20 years i've been here but they've come close last a year ago we all thought there was great things in the works and and the pandemic just threw it all into neutral and threw it all into neutral for the, for the Phillies and and put the bad juju on the on the Eagles and uh, uh, you know and, and I'm praying that now that we're starting to hear that crowds are going to be hopefully crowds are going to be allowed in by city council that we'll get a nice uninterrupted season all the talent is certainly showing up on the Flyers and the Sixers side of the spectrum yet to be seen with Phillies and uh, and then who knows what the hell is going to happen in the fall with the Eagles? Um, well, you mentioned the Eagles I, I, and the, the one, bad juju, Doug. I got to ask you, as a as an observer, you know, you've seen what happened with Carson Wentz. The Eagles coming off a worst in the bad division uh, season. Uh, they trade away yeah. Wentz. The coach is gone. Is 2021 just going to be a throwaway season for them? It's clearly a rebuilding year, although they don't use that word. This is looking like a three or four win team at best. You know, it, it, it's so funny. I, it, Firstly, I, I, much like I was not a Donovan hater, I, I you know, I, I liked Donovan. I wanted nothing but success for him. Then I, you only find out recently that uh, the reason he threw up in the huddle during the Super Bowl was he'd been out partying the night before. That's what they and, heard they uh, say. Yeah, and, uh, and and then with with Karsten, I thought he was kind of the man's man, the the Dakotan, straight talking, you know, rugged hunter, fisher, Christian guy, and he behaved like more of a diva. Than the most diva-esque quarterback I think I've ever I've ever seen in my lifetime in the NFL. So I I, I don't want to say good riddance, but I just I think that was as it's been said many times. It was just the relationship at, at so many levels was damaged beyond repair. I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to come along. I mean, he he had four good games at the end of last season. I don't know how quickly he's going to come along. And you keep hearing about well, maybe they're going to use a draft pick and try to find another quarterback. Um, but I think they've got so many other holes that they've got to fill. And I, I think five wins could be a struggle. Um, and, uh, and, and there's no, no telling what, what could be the case, uh, you know, the following season, you know, this, um, what's his name? Uh, Sirianni, uh, he could be the magic man. Um, and, uh, I don't know, just here again, Philly has got a long history of picking, you know, sleeper you know, assistant coaches that come in and, and then have decent, you know, records. Andy and Doug Peterson, uh, we'll skip the Chip Kelly years. Um, <laughs> but, it, but it was just, you know, they've, they've been able to do that. But I wonder if that's just the window is closed on that sort of find, on that sort of hire, uh, on that sort of turnaround in a season and a half. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think five wins at best. Um, and I hope they exceed it. I hope they exceed that and prove me wrong. Hey, Doug, in your 20 years of being here in town uh, and, and you've covered or been part of all the sports, whether it's as a fan or a reporter, uh, favorite players, who you got? Give us a, give us maybe the top three. 
You know who I liked? I, I liked um, uh, I liked uh, Brian Westbrook. Uh, I liked um, I think I liked Ertz. I liked his predecessor. Um, God, I'm trying to think. Donovan, I, I think it, had he gotten the benefit of a quarterback coach, which he never really did because Andy was a quarterback's coach coming from Packers and being Brett Favre's quarterback's coach. And I think Andy thought he was going to be able to be Donovan's quarterback's coach and a head coach. And of course that would never, ever happen. Uh, But I think had he had the benefit of a quarterback's coach, he would have a Super Bowl under his belt. Um, uh, Deuce Staley, I liked. Sorry to see him go. I loved him as basically a fullback. Um, I'm trying to think who else is a, another, you know, T.O. I, I, there's a guy that you held your nose and you rooted for him. You know, even if he was playing with a compound fracture, you know, you hope that some miracle was going to happen. They would pull that off and it, and it didn't happen. Um, and I, you know, I have to say, um, I like, you know, I like some of the old, old school guys that predated me like uh Bidnarik. you know if you watch the museum of sports show everybody's got the cool sports props behind him lewis down his man cave and he's got a actual i don't know i think it's a game worn Bidnarik jersey hanging over his shoulder and uh susan's got the everlast bag and her trust the process banner down in her basement me i got a vikings helmet <laughs> well, Doug, uh, we want to talk about some of the many other things that you're staying busy with these days, but I'm obligated to show a short video right here. It's actually part of a commercial that has a guy missing out on a business opportunity. <laughs> Dog time. A nice lazy day today. Hey, Mayberry, it's Barnes. We closed the deal. We need 10,000 units shipped today. Give me a call back, thanks. You messed up, Doug. <laughs> uh, that's for the uh, AT&T uh, wearables. Um, that was their their competitor to uh, Apple's, uh, at the Apple Watch. And... Uh, we shot that up in Central Park, um, and uh, I was stunned because we had all sorts of stuff. They said, "Just you know, here's your here are your basic lines. Here's what you basically have to do, and just kind of improvise during all of that." And I had a blast doing that thing. And they they took the more uh, tame and sedate scenes in, in most of those because then I finally, after I've lost out on the deal, Mayberry is my name, ironically. Right. I, I'm walking up on the Upper West Side and I look up and there's the AT&T store and the big Apple or um, AT&T wearables thing. And I walk in and it's my salvation. And now I can be just like the kids in the office, you know, uh, <laughs> of course, that's that one's not the, uh, the, the one of the ones I did. And, and you probably see these ads um, now all the time for Cologuard. And it's just kind of like accepted, you know, Cologuard, uh, the uh, in-home non-initiative colon cancer screening kit, you know, get, go, gone. You know, you, you kind of uh, take your own sample, put it in a little bag, send it off. I was the very first Cologuard ad. And, well, uh, speaking of you, which, Doug. Colon cancer oh, screening God. for people 50 and older at average risk. I think it's time for a new screen, for a different kind of screen, for colon cancer. Thought about it? Cologuard, colon cancer screening that's as easy as get, go, gone. 
Cologuard is not right for everyone, so ask your doctor if it's right for you. The oh, edited the version. door comes off. I just yeah. fixed that thing. <laughs> we shot that in uh, Brooklyn um, at a huge sta- soundstage up there. And, uh, you know, that kind of stuff, it's just, it's so much fun. Um, and it's so liberating from the news strictures. You know, the news for 35 years, I, when I hung it up in 2016, I figured 35 years of anything was enough. And uh, I had been doing things like documentaries and, and acting on the side. And, and now I sort of, you know, over the last four and a half years, almost five years now, been getting to do some film and commercial stuff. That was the last production I was in, a wonderful production of Tarzan the Musical. Uh, I play uh, not the loincloth guy, but that's Jane Porter. Um, and I'm her father, Pro- uh, Professor Archimedes Q. Porter. And uh, he's a most British uh, upper crust uh, sort of fellow. And he's uh, delightful. Yeah. And I only had to sing one song with my daughter. Uh, and uh, and they, didn't, uh, they didn't give me the hook. So there you go. <laughs> Uh, but it's a blast. I just, was just approached today about a role in Annie for uh, another theater theatrical company uh, out in Chester County. So uh, assuming I get that role, I think I'm going to be uh, Daddy Warbucks. Um, don't know if I have to wear the uh, don't know if it's worth wear the skin cap or if it gets to gets to, you know, go out there with the mullet. Um, hey, Doug, but, we have an interesting comment from one of our viewers. I'll throw up here on sure. the screen. Check it out. Doug is a. Dead twin for the Doors keyboardist. <laughs> you know, and somebody else like years ago had had said that, and I had to, I had to go back and, and look at online, and I'm like, yeah, I think the hair, the hair could do it. And uh, I think Ray Ray was a better looking dude than me, though. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> All right, hey hey Ray, uh, Ray, Ray. I'm, I'm over on right. Ah. Hey, uh, there you go. Hey, so Doug, tell us what uh, about the Museum of Sports show, what all you have going on over there. Uh, we don't want to run out of time and not get to that. Yeah. That's uh, it's, it's something a you got wonderful. going on. Well, Lou Scheinfeld, who was uh, Ed Snyder's right-hand man with the early yeah. days of Comcast Spectacor, he put the Spectrum online, kind of honchoed that, uh, was an executive there during the heyday of the, you know, the, the Stanley Cups with the Flyers. Uh, helped uh, you know, shepherd in uh, Prism as a uh, sports-only uh, broadcast channel. Uh, really, sort of a just a, a groundbreaker and an innovator. And uh, his dream has been to have a museum of sports and uh, predominantly Phillies, but really everything. And uh, the Depacha family of South uh, Jersey has the world's largest and most valuable sports memorabilia collection. I always say it's conservatively valued at $35 quintillion. But Nick DiPaccia Jr., whom we have on every week, is kind of our king of sports collectibles. Um, They really do have the world's largest and most valuable. If you remember the Babe Ruth jersey that was sold two summers ago, I think it was the first summer we were on the air, so it would be 2019. We're coming up on our two-year anniversary, if you can believe that. Um, It sold for like 5.2 or 5.3. Uh, that was the Depacha fam- family. And the uh, museum got some, the foundation got uh, some. And uh, so they're in the process right now of uh, you know picking in a location, um, originally looking at the sports complex, but we've had folks come to us about Navy Yard, Center City, South Jersey. And uh, so just when you think you're ready to sign on the dotted line, you get some wonderful, wonderful um, offers. And it's, it's kind of nice to be loved. Um, but the show at the Museum of Sports is a client of mine, um, and the show is sort of an extension 
of uh, everything that the museum has. And uh, so we're, we're kind of about sports memories and memorabilia. Um, you know, as my, my opening line of the show is every one of us is a walking museum of sports. And, uh, you know, so it really is about, you know, that, that museum in your mind, all the things you've kind of kept with you from that nervous first sweaty autograph to maybe going to the game with your folks to maybe taking your own kids to their first game. And we're just coming up on uh, two years and uh, it's, it has been a fun, fun uh, run and the crowning achievement will be opening that museum. So we'll keep you posted on that. Can't wait. Bill, should we do a fast it, it's five? Pretty cool. It's pretty cool stuff. The departures, yeah. you know, they, they're, they're so funny. Um, I think basically we, we Lou kind of gives um, uh, Nick Jr. hell because he said, you know, what does your mom let you buy this week? Does your mom give you and your dad an allowance? And, and the father's got a big cardiovascular, um, Frank, uh, Departure Franklin Cardiovascular Center down there in South Jersey. And I wouldn't doubt that she gives them an allowance. And so they have to kind of end run her and sneak around and buy stuff. And you'll see something about a sale of a Babe Ruth jersey. No, honey, that wasn't us. A lot of people have those jerseys, you know. <laughs> well, hey, Doug, what we like to do when we have a first-time guest, uh, Chet likes to do a thing he calls Fast Five. So are you up for that tonight? Uh -oh. oh, hell yeah. All right. Now the key, you got to keep your answers brief on this one. Otherwise, it won't be fast. So Fast Five, five uh, brief That could be my problem. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, Doug, you talked about the Phillies World Series title in 08 and the Eagles uh, Super Bowl win. Give me another favorite Philly sports memory of the last 25 years. You know what I would have to sports. say? God, that's oh, this is a fast one too. You know, I, I got to say it was a close but no cigar with the NBA Finals with AI. That guy was a a miracle on on the boards, and uh, it just it was a conspiracy of a lot of things. You know, his entourage, you know, the, the lifestyle, and you know, just a, a superior opponent. But that that was right. probably my my close but no cigar. Number two, you reported on a bunch of major news stories at Channel 10, like the Anne-Marie Fahey murder and the Capano guilty verdict that followed a fatal natural gas explosion. But did you report on any fun stories? Give me an example of a memorable fun story. You know what? There were so many wacky ones, like the woman who, um, during a snowstorm, was taking out her uh, garbage, and she fell into a plastic recycling container and could not get out. And nine one one had to be called. God bless her. She <laughs> she she survived. All fine to this day. Uh, the other one that was really nice, and I can't remember if we won an Emmy for that one or if we were just nominated. But after Hurricane Katrina down in Biloxi, a group from Lower of Bucks County, um, Middle what was it Middle Bucks Institute of Technology, they had a whole culinary school. They went down and put on a whole uh, dinner and prom for the Biloxi High School because their high school had been devastated, and they had 48 hours or 36 hours to turn around a meal in the, in the old damaged uh, high school cafeteria and uh, had limos for the kids. And it was a real tearjerker and just, but just, just one of those sort of like, ah, that was a redeeming story. Number three, one of your many news jobs, I think it was Oklahoma city. You were a hurricane chaser. What was that all about? <laughs> it, it's <laughs> out there. It's, it's tornado alley. And uh, they basically would send us to OU, the University of Oklahoma, because they have the severe storm labs out there. And we audit some of the courses out there before we go storm chasing, just so we don't kill ourselves. And uh, every day from about late March through, oh, I guess pretty much the end of summer, maybe early fall, it's kind of like prime tornado season. And uh, my photographer and I, uh, with the chopper and the sat truck, 
uh, would head out west to the panhandle and you wait for the dry line to come across. And that's the difference between like really dry air and really moist air. And that's where the tornadoes form. And it really is a sight to see when you can photograph from across flat, you know, Oklahoma territory and see these things coming out of the cloud, forming, kicking up some dust. And most days, you know, maybe a fence, maybe an outbuilding, uh, maybe this, uh, an odd cow. No, <laughs> do that. Um, but it was always on the days that you, there was a, like a, a moderate to slight chance of severe weather where all of a sudden the scanner would start crackling with damage to some small town out in central or western Oklahoma. And off we'd go in the chopper or, or out the sat truck. And the devastation was just uh, unbelievable. But it was something that stuck with me. And you realize that, uh, you know, weather and weather coverage in, in many parts of the country isn't just funny, funny weather men or weather women. It's, it's a, a life or death situation. Number four, you worked with a slew of anchors and reporters at NBC 10. I know you're still friendly with some of them. Uh, maybe some that you don't like so much, but we won't talk about them. Uh, <laughs> any personal favorites that you uh, worked with in your time there? Oh, you know, that's, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. You know, I, I would, I would say, uh, Gene, um, Gene Crane was still at, uh, uh, channel 10 when I was there, uh, yeah. doing special reports on, on sort of like senior, senior issues. Uh, big Al Meltzer was another one, uh, yeah. who came up to me after I got in there and I, I didn't exactly know who he was. And he said, Hey Doug, I just want to say nice to see somebody who's kind of old school come in here. And I said, when Pat Summerall and Tom Brookshire anchored This Week in Pro Football with Pat Summerall and Tom Brookshire, it was done out at NFL Films in Cherry Hill. Whenever they were on the road for CBS, there was this guy that sat in for them who had like a madras jacket, a paisley tie, a checked shirt, and a madras uh, pants. And he goes, I still have those in my closet. Um, and then upwards of, you know, I love Glenn Hurricane Schwartz, uh, love him or hate him. Larry Menti was a good friend, uh, despite all the, the controversy at the end yeah. there. And, uh, but we've had so many, so many great folks with different skill sets and, and just a whole host of personalities, but, uh, and that'll get me off the hook. And it was a politically correct answer to give. There you go. <laughs> Finally, easy one. Well, maybe not an easy one, but, uh, this, you can do this one brief. I know. You're an avid tennis player and fan, so your favorite tennis player of all time would be who? You know what? I, I, I'm going to say I, I have been rooting for a guy out of, I think it came out of Southern Cal, um, uh, and he's a guy who had one of these comeback stories, hip surgery, Stevie Johnson, guy who is, was, was the top collegiate player, had injuries, fell out of the top 300, came back. He's been like in the top 30, top 40, gets into the quarters. I don't think he's made it to a semi yet. Um, but I would have to say I've, I've grown to really appreciate Roger Federer as, as truly the greatest of all time. Everybody says that Djokovic is going to play longer and win more. But I think in terms of the complete package and having a respect for the history of the game and being a true gentleman and not temperamental and, and prone to hissy fits and hitting uh, lines women in the neck with uh, tennis balls, uh, I would have to say Federer. Federer. All right. Good deal. Well, Doug, we've run out of time. That was it. Uh, we appreciate you coming yeah. by. We're glad you we're glad you did it. And let's do it again. Hell yeah. Yeah, like I said, I you get me going, and the next thing it's time to it's you know, time to go. <laughs> it's but almost Bob Brickover time. So for having me on. That, that was an absolute blast. All we'll right. Definitely do it again. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, appreciate you. All hey, right. Good seeing you guys. Be safe. All you right. Betcha. You got it.
Hey, Chet, let's talk insurance. If you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we've got the spot for you. All-state insurance in Westchester, PA. Yes, indeed, Bill. You know we love our folks at Allstate. And I don't know if you know, but one of the best benefits of having an Allstate insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands you and your family's needs. Someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what's most important to you and your family. So call Dave today. He is at Allstate in Westchester, Pennsylvania, 610 430 0700. Once again, 610-430-0700. Hey everybody, it's Willie Nile here and you're listening to Chet and Bill on Philly Press Box Radio. You lucky people. All right, thanks Willie. Hey Chet, let's just jump right in and let's go Phillies. We got Bob Brook over waiting to uh, get us up to date on what's happening with the Phils and uh, so let's welcome Bob back to Philly Press Box Radio. Bob, how are you doing today? Hey, Bill, how's it going? Doing great. Hey, Bob. Uh, how are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm excited. The Phillies are about to get things going down in Florida. Uh, first question is, well, about you. What are What's the situation with reporters right now? Given the still with us pandemic, what is the plan for you and other reporters and columnists who would normally spend much of February and March down in Clearwater? What's the situation this year? Uh, well, so far the Inquirer has decided we're not sending anybody. Um, the, the only two reporters I know, of, but we have sent a photographer down there. Jose Santos is down there right now for us. Uh, and we're going to send another photographer in another week, which uh, I'd like to be down there. But and I think we'd all like to be down there. But we do what we're we do what we're told. Um, so yeah. the, the two writers I think that are down there right now are Todd Zalecki from MLB and uh, Matt Go from the Athletic. They're the only ones I think that are down there. I'm not sure if anybody else is. Well, I can tell you, um, Bob, because I'm in Lakeland right now. Uh, it's warm here, and I think you would probably be enjoying it. <laughs> I, I like warm. I've always been a big fan of warm. Uh, you know, I, it's funny. I was talking to somebody about two weeks ago and, and thinking, you know, between covering the Phillies for 30-something years, and in that interim, there was a seven-year Eagles period where you would at least go to the Super Bowl almost always somewhere warm, although there was a Detroit and Minnesota mixed in there. Uh, uh, and and going to owners' meetings, which are always like in West Palm Beach or Dana Point, California. I've gone to a warm spot every winter since like 1989. Uh, so I am definitely missing that right now. Well, Bob, I got to ask you, uh, one of the – Key things for the Phillies this year will be the performance of the bullpen. They were historically bad last year. They've made lots of additions this year, including Archie Bradley. Uh, how much better will the bullpen be, do you think? Well, I mean, it, I can't, I don't think there's any guarantee that the bullpen be, will be better, but it had to be, it's going to be different. I mean, other other than Hector Naris, really. And, you know, there, there might, there's some leftovers. Connor Brogdon, who has, I think, has earned a shot, real shot to, be part of that bullpen the way he pitched last September, uh, you know. But Archie Bradley is going to be a huge key to that. They brought in veterans, uh, a, a lot of veterans who have had success in the past, but not necessarily recent past. Um, so if if those guys can do the job, you know they'll be they'll be all right. I think they they tried to bring in strength in numbers. You know they brought in a lot of guys 
They're going to look at who are on minor league contracts trying to prove they still belong in the big leagues. And they got to hope that some of them pan out. They did something similar last year, but I think they've brought in better bodies this year than they did a year ago. It, it didn't pan out, obviously, last year. And and then they had a bullpen 2.0 with with guys who you thought, you know, yeah. Brandon Workman and David Phelps, you would think those guys had had success, but they came here and it was like, I think Joe Girardi's famous quote of the offseason was, we could have told them what was coming and they and we could have done better than we did. You know, and- <laughs> hey, Bob, a side note, I think you need a beard like Archie Bradley. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I would I would need a thousand years to grow that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey Bob, if you look at the uh at the the starting eight, assuming we pretty much know who that's going to be, except a, a couple question marks, and it looks like Kingry's going to be the, the utility guy, the outside guy. Alec Baum is different this year than last. Um, is this team good enough, even if the bullpen is better? Is this team good enough with this year? You know, it's the same talent. You know, I've got I've gotten a lot of emails asking that uh, similar question to that recently. And to, to me, the offense was not broke. It was the number five offense and run scored last year. Uh, it was a very good offense. There's no DH this year, but that, that's true for – I think three of three of the five teams in the top five, if not four, were National League teams. So they're all going to be without that DH this year. Uh, you know, I think this is a very good offense. This is a team capable. I think it was on pace to hit like 212 home runs last year, which would have been the most since the 2009 team. Uh, if it had been a full season, they might have had 212 home runs. If you look at this team right now, I, I would – almost be willing to bet put the over under at 200 home runs for this team uh, because you you know you you look at the you look at it even let's let's start left field we go McCutcheon he had 10 home runs a lot of people didn't think he had a very good season but he hit 10 home runs in 60 games you know put that into 162 games what's that come out to uh you got Bryce Harper he was on pace to hit 38 home runs at 36 home runs last year and you know that's pretty much the standard number for him. You go to first base, Hoskins seemed to find a swing before he got hurt late last season. He was on pace to hit 30 home runs. Didi Gregorius on pace to hit 30 home runs or 27 home runs. Gramuto on pace to hit 30 home runs. Um, Alec Bohm hit four, but I I think Alec, if I had to put it over under on Alec Bohm right now, I'd put it at 20 home runs. Uh, and Gene Segor is capable of hit, hitting 10 to 15 for sure. That's a lot of home runs from guys. And then you brought in a bench guy, a Brad Miller, who's capable of hitting them as well. I mean, he, he had 12 with the Phillies two years ago in a very limited role. Bob, I think Bryce Harper is going to have a, an awesome year. I just have a hunch. And uh, I got to ask you, you know, we saw the pictures of him yesterday. What's more impressive, that fanatic bat or the clear water shirt that he's wearing? <laughs> I like the clear water shirt. That's awesome. <laughs> That's tricky to fill it off yet, I think. Well, I'm yeah. just thinking the most impressive thing to me were them guns coming out of the side yeah. of that shirt sleeves. Man, he, he is, he's, he is ripped. Yep. He's, he's always been pretty cut, and he looks he's coming to camp looking good. Yeah. Hey, Bob, what did, what did you think when it all sorted out? They, they lost their free agents. They got them all back. They've upgraded the bullpen, we hope. Uh, starting pitching still, we'll get a little more into that, but – what do you think so far of the job from Dombrowski and in uh, in the new front office we're looking at? Pretty good. I think for that we go back to Bryce Harper who on his first day of camp said, you know, like like I think 
his his words represented all of Philadelphia and all Phillies fans when he said, you know, I was pretty nervous there when uh, you know, I was hearing we weren't going to spend any money. Uh, you know, we had these free agents gone, and you know, by the time the offseason was over, it had been a, a pretty productive offseason. I mean, there's some guys who you, you're taking flyers on. But just getting Ramuto and, and Gregorius back was just so huge. Going back to the home run thing and the and the offense being not being broke, so don't try to fix it, keep it together. Uh, I, I think that was really important for this team. Um, you know, we'll see. Do I have a lot of trust in Dave Dombrowski? Yeah, I think he's got a really good track record. And what he convinced uh, John Middleton to do after it didn't look like they were going to spend, I think. I, I think this is still true, although after the Mets sent Simon Walker the other day, I'm not sure. But I still think it's true that the Phillies have spent the third most amount of money of any team in baseball on free agency. This that's what to, A lot of it was to bring them back their own, but it's still we weren't expecting that when the offseason began and early and even the first month or month and a half into the offseason. Well, Bob, uh, one of the guys they're taking a flyer on is uh, a former Philly who is back as a non-roster invitee, and that's, of course, Odubel Herrera. Is he going to get a legitimate shot? Can he possibly be brought back? I heard you on with uh, Mike Bissonelli. Mike gave you a hard time about the whole situation, but do you think Herrera's going to get a fair shot to make the team? I uh, I think he has to. I mean, he you don't bring him into camp if you're not going to give him a shot, to, a fair shot. Now, does does that necessarily mean he's going to win it out of the gate or does he have to do more? Does he have to go to triple a and, and prove himself there? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. I would say that, you know, the, the three other guys in campus center field candidates and Quinn Hazley and, and um, Kingery have a, a better shot at it out of the gate. But, you know, I, I think a doable Herrera has got to prove, in spring training, and if he doesn't make the team in spring training, go to AAA and prove it. But you know how the game works. Nobody stays healthy. No team stays healthy all year long. And at some point, if he's proving he's a good citizen and proving he can play again, he's going to get that shot, I think. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the start and pitch. And, uh, you know, I think we, we know one and two are probably pretty solid. Uh, Pavetta looks like he's – What's that? He's gone. Not Pavetta. Eflin. I'm sorry. Eflin in the three spot and Velasquez in the four slot. Uh, Those those guys scare me. Well, it's. I don't think you can pencil even pencil in Velasquez in four right now. I think the top three are are set with Nola, Wheeler, and Eflin, and I like that top three. Even even when you match it up against other teams in the in the National League East, which is it, which has some really good pitching, uh, you know, with probably the best rotation on paper being the Nats. Uh, but all of a sudden you have some questions about the Nats' health with Strasburg. And Max Scherzer still a stud, but he wasn't quite the same stud last year that he had been the year before. Uh, you know, so I'm not – and he's got some age on him. And, and we – Philadelphia experience – what age can do in a hurry with the, with the aces, you know, one, one year you had four aces and two years later you had Cole Hamels and none none of those aces left. So those guys can get old quick, but you know, I like the top three and I like, I think Eflin is ready to to have a breakout year. Now four or five is four or five is going to, and Joe Girardi said the other day, he's planning on going with a five man rotation. 
Um, you know, Chase Anderson is, is um, going to be one of them probably, or, and Matt Moore. I think those guys have the inside track, and I think Spence. I like I like that they brought in those two, and they're making Spencer Howard have to prove he belongs in that rotation. He's going to have to uh, really show in spring training to be a part of that rotation. And if he doesn't, he's probably going to. I think he's going to have to go to AAA and and prove it there out of the gate. Uh, you know, and again, the same thing as Odubel Rare. You're going to get a chance, but you got you got to prove it. And I'm glad they brought in veteran guys to challenge him a little bit. Is is it the best rotation ever? No, but I think this rotation and, and Velasquez is a guy who also uh, personally I'd like to see him put him in the bullpen and just say, you know what, Vince, you're going to help us out of the bullpen. Have him in that relief mindset right out of the gate. That's what I'd like to see him do. I don't know if they're going to do that. I don't know if that's how it'll shake out. But I think they have some a little bit of depth. Certainly, I like the situation in the rotation better than I did at the start of last season. You mentioned Spencer Howard. Is it very likely then that he's going to start the season in the bullpen, or might they send him back down to AAA? You know, we asked we asked Joe Girardi about that today, and he said all possibilities are on the table because uh, you know he, he said we've got to we're our objective is to win, and if we have to be creative by putting him in the bullpen. We will do that. Uh, if he earns a spot in the rotation, he can do that. And certainly the, the AAA possibility is on the table too. You mentioned Connor Brogdon earlier. I, I love that arm uh, that we saw in September. Any chance of him becoming a starter rather than being a setup guy? I, I don't think he's probably ready for a closer job, uh, but he's got a great arm to be sitting out there as a setup guy, I think. Yeah, I, I think he's, he's – He's pegged for the bullpen right now. Uh, you know, that certainly nothing wrong with being a helpful arm out of the bullpen after we saw after what we saw last season. You know, you, you hope among the, the leftovers that him and like Jojo Romero showed early in the first half of the the shortened season, uh, barely a half if you can call it a half. Uh, the first month, Jojo Romero kind of showed, and then he kind of faded in the second part of the season. But, you know, they – they need some of those young arms to be guys they can count on too, because they need youth in that pen. Well, Bob, we're out of time already. We do appreciate you joining us and uh, it's going to be an interesting season to say the least. We'll ha uh, have you on again this summer and hopefully the Phillies will be in first place. All right. Thanks guys. All right, Bob. Appreciate you. Take care. Thanks, Bob. All right. Hey, Chet, let's back up just a little bit and uh, let's talk Eagles for just a second. We mentioned uh, the Carson Wentz deal is done since we we were together last week. Deshaun Jackson is gone. Austin Jeffrey is gone. More are gone. Uh, coming soon. The rebuild, we're going to call it a rebuild. I am. Uh, is well underway. What's your thoughts early? Oh, it's definitely a rebuild. I'm not feeling great at all about it. I got to be honest. I think the 2021 season is going to be pretty ugly. You know, uh, regarding the Wentz deal, though, a lot of people last week said that the birds didn't really get a whole lot for Wentz. But I got to tell you, given the awful season that Wentz had and the fact that he won it out, uh, reportedly preferred to go only to Indianapolis. I don't know if that's true or not. I think they actually did okay. And Ray Didinger was on WIP last Thursday, and he too said that Howie did about as well as could be expected. He was always hoping to get a big bidding war going. He really didn't. It came down to the Colts, and you know you get a three this year, but next year's pick. You know, if you look at the parameters of the trade, it's not unthinkable that you could be getting a number one. I think it's more likely than not, to be honest with you. So I think Howie actually came out of this salvaging it about as good as. You 
you could salvage it. Yeah, well, I guess, uh, yeah, if it's a number one, though, what, he's got to pay, play 70%, 75% yeah, of the 75%, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, so if that's happening, they they are going to be deep, you know, they're going to be a playoff team. So right. if you so get a one, the it's going to be in the 20s. Yep. So, uh, I mean, I, I'd like to think his worth is more than that. I think he's a better player than that. Uh, I think there's a lot of things that happened this year that are kind of crazy, but oh yeah, you know when it's all said and done, this team, uh, you know, there's rumblings now that not only is Kelsey going to retire, but that they're just going to cut him loose. Uh, that's bad. Uh, you know, it just depends how deep this knife cuts, I think, and, and how this thing's going to play out. Yeah, and they may end up, you know, cutting a lot of players and just kind of taking a horrible season in stride, and you know. Not tanking the season, we're not going to use that word, but they can't realistically compete, so it might not be the most horrible thing if they did cut bait with a couple of these guys and uh, just suffer through the season, and then you know that'll help their cap situation as well as get them a, maybe a higher draft pick next year and uh, then start from there. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I- I'm kind of excited for Wentz. I think he's going to do well in, in India, and I'm sad uh, – Disappointed in the Philly fans and media that I feel like they were a big part of running him out of town besides what he might have done, which we don't know what he might have done because no one stole us. That's right. All right, let's ring that bell, brother. It's random chat time. I knew we had to get this in. Jump on it. <laughs> All right, uh, Bill. Yeah, random chat time. People just love this thing. I don't know if they do. I'm just saying that. Uh, for better or worse, Bill, a lot of people complain about TV sportscasters. You know, Joe Buck is so biased against Philadelphia. Chris Collinsworth was clearly rooting against the Eagles. Reggie Miller was a great player, but he sucks as a broadcaster. Well, Bill, even a lot of a lot of criticism about some of our Philly announcers. Whatever. Well, ahead of Sunday's not-so-great Flyers-Bruins game out in Lake Tahoe, NBC aired a special on the recently retired hockey announcer Doc Emmerich. And it made me think about the fact that you almost never heard anybody criticize Doc Emmerich as a broadcaster, and how could you? He was terrific, and so was the hour-long special that aired on Sunday. And this is my favorite part of it right here. Doc captures the essence of our game like nobody else the mastery of language that he uses cuts across every situation, every game. All of the animosity now blends into the handshakes of great sportsmanship at the conclusion of another run to the Stanley Cup. Good job. He just had the perfect description of something, never overdid it either. And once in a while, he'd come up with something you'd never heard before that matched the moment perfectly. You look at a disc going up the flat side of a stick blade when it's quacking like that. His power of descriptions was just, it's second to none. Nobody can do what Doc Emmerich can do. Lobbed ahead now, and Tave spears it behind. Lobbed on out to center. Saw that one swirl around. Instead of he stick out around, he danced through the defenders. He sashayed, right? Sashayed. Sashays his way to the circle. Even if you don't know the word he uses, you somehow figure out what it means because you're watching what's happening on the ice. One by Rick Nash, who spirited it back down. For me, one of my favorite is ladled. Ladled back in paddles it, ricochets it. He shillelaghs that puck into the zone. Chipped onto Tave's stick, knifed away from him by Parisi, and ricocheted off the linesman, and it's whipped on back. First time I heard pitchfork. Pitchfork's one ahead. I said, 
That is exactly what that is. Trickles, shuffleboarded, waffleboarded, skittered. Button hooks and locks. He was the first one to use a shovel shot, which, you know, a high backhand or what, like somebody shoveling snow. Why, why wouldn't you call it that, right? But nobody had before then. Oh, man. How good was that, Bill? Oh, it, was, it was a great show. Uh, two, two things, two other points. One, uh, that I was a little disappointed. They only showed a very quick picture of him and Gene Hart yeah. and never really even mentioned Gene. And I, I, maybe there's a reason, I don't know, but you know, Mike started, Doc started with the Flyers. Yep. Uh, and, and the other thing that, that Al Michaels, uh, made a comment in there about doing, uh, I believe it was Olympic hockey or world hockey or whatever the, the network wanted Al Michaels to do it. Al Michaels said. No, I can't do hockey like Mike Emmerich can do it. Yeah, he needs yeah. to do it because I want to listen to him. It, it was, was great. awesome. And yeah. uh, for anybody who wants to see it and hasn't seen it, the whole thing is available on YouTube. So check it out. It's called Doc Emmerich, the voice of hockey. And boy, yeah. was he. Great, great hour. Great yep. hour. Very entertaining and uh, and well done. Absolutely. All right. Is that it for your random chat? That was That's the it. One, That's one what item. we got this week. Good, good, good call. A lot better than that. Oh, carry on, Bill. (laughs) All right. Well, let's give a shout out to our partners over at the Edge of Philly Sports Network, Jet. You can check out all their shows, the Broad Street Bully Podcast, Drew, Jeff, and Doyle Talking Flyers Hockey, Birds IQ every Monday, 7 p.m. with Kyle and Eric Quinn, Edge of Philly Sports Live, Joe, Freddie, and Big Al cover four for four and so much more Philly sports. They're live. Tonight, Wednesday night, 9.30 p.m. And join Tom Kelly and the gang at Patterson Avenue Fanatics Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. They're talking all things Philly sports. So you can check out all the shows at www.eopsports.com. Help us out by hitting those subscribe, follow, and like buttons. And always share with your family and friends. And don't forget to sign up for the weekly EOP newsletter that arrives each Friday by email. You got it, Bill. All right, Chet. Well, what do we got next? Uh, Flyers hockey? Yeah, we talked last week about the hand the Flyers were dealt with the COVID protocol. Um, You know, they only got one out of the four points last week. They were outmanned in both of those games. They were lucky to get the one point against the Rangers. Uh, That's going to hurt them in the long haul. A bad deal, in my mind, by the NHL. And now they're turning around. they got to play tonight. Wednesday, they got to play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and all the players still aren't back yet. Wait, they're playing three days in a row? I believe so. Whoa. All, yeah, all had... against Buffalo, I believe. Wow. Yeah, they had the games to make up. It was certainly unfortunate what happened over the weekend. Uh, they wanted to keep that Tahoe game on the schedule despite all the players missing. They did get the games in. The, the game on Saturday, the Flyers didn't play. They started in the afternoon. They finished it well after midnight Eastern time with a nine-hour gap in the middle. Um, but, hey, look, the Flyers have had a rough go of it all year against the Bruins. They are 0-3-2 now against Boston. So, Let's just forget about it and move on, Bill. Claude Giroux back tonight, by the way. Yeah, and I will tell you, Chet, uh, you know, it was a big game, that Lake Tahoe game. What a what a venue that was. That set up uh, the number one rated hockey show ever on NBC. What do they call that? NBC, NBC Sports Network. Yes, 1.1 Sports million Sports viewers Network. watched it. So uh, that's the highest in the 15 years that they've been carrying the games on that network. Yep, yep. So I guess that's good. Uh, 
before we jump off the Flyers, Carter Hart struggling a little bit. Uh, I think good chance we see Brian Elliott tonight. I don't know if that's official or not, but they've been talking about it. Um, we, you okay with Elliott getting a little more time until uh, Hart gets it together? Yeah, Hart was not good in that game on Sunday. Two of those goals were just very, very bad. So, yeah, if they give him a, a night off and let Elliott start tonight and then, you know, the middle game of the weekend, that would make perfect sense because uh, they got to get Carter Hart right if they're going to go anywhere in the playoffs. Absolutely. All right, Sixers coming off a nice win last night over Toronto, but they're just 5-5 five and five in their last 10. They're just a half a game ahead of the red-hot Brooklyn Nets. Just 32 games in so far, but uh looks like a battle is getting set up, Jack. Yeah, it was a shaky end to the Tuesday night win against Toronto, but they did hang on. The Sixers got the double, even with Joel Embiid struggling for a second straight game. But he did play every single game since last week, Wednesday, Bill, I'll have you know. Uh, he has struggled with his shot, though, the last two games. And, you know, it's funny, in the loss on uh, Sunday, he had 25 points and 17 rebounds, and he had an awful game. Yeah, that's the way it is when you're Joel Embiid these days. Congrats to him and Ben Simmons on making the all-star team again this year. That's four straight now for Embiid, three straight for Simmons. I felt bad for Tobias Harris. I thought Harris should have made it over Ben Simmons this year, but uh, nobody asked me. So, that's right. oh, well. So, so what do you think about this matchup with Brooklyn? Uh, are you concerned whether the Sixers can hold on to that top spot or is finishing second going to be okay if, if Brooklyn – Milwaukee's in the hunt, too, just a couple games back. Uh, How important is it for them to have that first spot in your mind? The higher seed, the better, of course. But, uh, you know, if they're in the top three, that'll be okay. You'll have home court advantage. We don't know what the situation is going to be quite yet as far as fans for the playoffs. It looks like there will be some fans allowed, which is good. Um, But, yeah, as you said, Brooklyn's just a half game back. Milwaukee, two games off the pace right now. And today they unleashed the schedule for the second half of the year. So we know now that uh, they'll be playing March 11th is when the second half resumes after the All-Star game. They'll play through May 16th. Real tough stretch at the end of March when they have a six-game road trip, a game up at Madison Square Garden, and then five games out west. So that's going to be a crucial stretch right there for the Sixers in terms of where they're going to finish this season. All right. Hey, uh, Big John Roberts wants you to talk about uh, why – Joel Embiid is going to get the MVP over LeBron James. Look, I don't watch LeBron enough to say for sure, but he's having a great year for an old man, especially. Um, But to be honest, Embiid, I think, is more important to his team than LeBron is to the Lakers because they have a lot of talent out there, you know, Anthony Davis and those other guys. But uh, when the Sixers don't have Embiid in the lineup, they're, what, one and five this year? So clearly he is pretty valuable, and he is putting up some great numbers this year. Well, we'll, uh, we'll see. It's way too early to talk about that. We're only 30, what, 31, 32 games in. We've got a long way to go. We'll get yep. back to that topic, though. We'll see how many games JoJo sits out between then and now. Let's move along, Bill. All right. Great guest tonight in Doug Shimel. You, you hung me out on that, by the way. And Bob Brookover. <laughs> so who will be coming to Philly Press Talk Radio next week? Next week, Bill, with – what is all that noise? You hear that? Nope. Huh. 
Maybe it's in my head. I don't know. Uh, next week, Bill, with spring spring training getting going for real now, finally, we're going to bring back a guy who joined us twice last year in the early part of the pandemic, and he was a big hit, not only with our viewers and listeners, but with us, and he's going to come back again to join us. I'm talking about former Major League All-Star and currently a color analyst for the Oakland A's, the awesome Ray Fossey. So you know that'll be fun, and that will be next Wednesday evening, Bill. All right, looking forward to that. You know, Ray Ray's all over it, and uh, he's going to know the ins ins and outs. Hey, one thing, Chad, I will tell you uh, while we're still talking baseball, real quick: um, 2,200 tickets uh, for the Phillies and the Tigers. The only the only ones I really checked on because the Tigers are right here in town. Uh, the Tigers sold out all twenty two hundred tickets for the entire spring in three hours. Um, so. You know, I, I think the Phillies did pretty much the same. Yeah. Uh, you can't get tickets. Uh, so people that were planning on coming down and going to the games, if you're not scalping spring training tickets, which is ludicrous, uh, don't bother. Unless you're going to yeah. the beach. I'm going to stay up here in the north this year, Bill. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. You and a bunch of others. All right. Let's take another quick break and thank our friends at the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page to give people a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. They have 11 line razzes, mystery boxes, and now a memorabilia shop. Check out their Facebook pages, like them, or follow them. It's PPCC 118 Razroom and PPCC 118 Razroom shop on Facebook. Any parting shot for you, Mr. Chesco? We've been on the fly here tonight. Well, Bill, since we're just about out of time, I don't have anything great tonight. I'm just going to say happy 71st birthday this week to Dr. J. That was on Monday. And today to the great George Thorogood, one bourbon, one scotch, one beer. And I'm going to yield the rest of my parting shot time to you because I know you wanted to do an extensive preview of Sunday's Golden Globes Awards show. So what do you got, Bill? Well, I really thought that's what you were going to do, so I didn't really prepare for that. Uh, oh, no. And, and, and you didn't <laughs> mention the divorce. Kim and Kanye, I mentioned right at the top. Yeah, but I thought you would give us a little more detail on that because I know you're crushed about it. I'm just funning with you. I don't really care at all. And by the way, happy Twin Peaks Day. Today is Twin Peaks Day. If you've never watched the show, and I'm sure you haven't, you won't even care. So never mind, but happy Twin Peaks Day. I, I, I thought you were talking about the restaurant. <laughs> no, no, no. Great TV show. Wrap it up, Bill. Okay. Let's thank tonight's special guest, Doug Shimel, Bob Brookover. Our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, BPCC, 118 Raz Room and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester. For Jim Chachesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, March already, Chet, March the 3rd at 7 p.m. You see us live on Facebook, listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com, slash phillypressboxradio, on Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all those other podcasts. Check us out. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Happy trails to you.